Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of James Talks. Great to have you here um, with me again today and we've got another guest for you today. Um, today we've got my friend um, uh, Pastor Andy Gray and he's also um, an author as well. He's written um, a book called The Karma Shima Drama which we're going to talk about today. So um, yeah Andy just kind of uh, welcome and uh, thank you. Um, yeah, great. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. It's a privilege, man. Yeah, well, um, I'm looking forward to hearing you um, talk about this book. Um, so just tell us a bit about your story and kind of your background and um, how you got to where you are, kind of. Yeah, um, that's, about, that's such a huge question, isn't it? So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so weird because I've gone to different like events and people ask you that and then people who've seen me at the similar events with the same question have gone like, you said a completely different set of truths about yourself. <laughs> like, So what do I pick? Um, well, yeah, I think the most exciting thing about me is actually before I was really um, born, my parents had three children that all died stillbirths and they couldn't told my doctors they couldn't have kids and um a woman at a pentecostal church prophesied and said that my dad would have a son and uh, my dad didn't really believe it um because he was so hurt over the other three and he got quite old at the time so they had me just before my dad was 50 i think something like that 48 50 something like that and um my mum was losing me the same way as the other three so i think the biggest thing about me is actually that story before i even kind of entered this this existence yeah. just because my parents told it to me time and time again as a kid and it just built this idea in myself that regardless of how pants things are, God is good, he's gracious and he gives mm. at the very fact I exist. And that has seen me through everything, mate, through bullying as a kid, through complete academic failure at times, um, through... Um, Failed relationships through even a time when I wanted to end my existence. Um, just wow. remind, remembering that story has just brought me through everything. Um, his gift, um, yeah. So I think that epitomizes me more than anything. Um, and I can't even say I contributed to it. <laughs> it <laughs> That's an amazing story. I, um, wow. So I mean. You basically are a miracle, that you exist as a miracle, basically, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. So my dad would tell me that as, as, a, as a kid, and um, it's the reason why, I mean, I'm 31 and my dad's in his, his, his late 70s, and mm. um, so I grew up with everyone else in the, pe- in the playground generally having much younger parents. Um, like my dad was alive in the Second World War, that was pretty unique in the playground, <laughs> yeah. that he was a kid in that, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it was... It was, it was cool. It's it's just something that's just been so... Oh, um, at the time, like I hated it, having older parents and stuff like that and being going through that because they didn't quite relate the same way the others did, but I just see it as like the greatest blessing ever because um, even before I was born, I'm experiencing the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. When I think about it. So it's just, yeah, it's been brilliant and it just has affected every area of my life. Um, so yeah, that's that's me. Not meant to be here, but God chose to. So love it. That's pretty cool. And so, what do you do? What do you do now? What um, what do I do? Of, what do I well, like? my what I think what defines me because I mean, when we say what do we do, I mean, there's so much. So for me, um, like work wise, I do youth work at the moment. Um, I've done that for a large part of my life, but it's 
I love it and I'm passionate about it, but it's not number one. Number one thing in my life is, um, I've all, well, since 17, I believe God wanted me to start a church. So in my spare time, I only spend about two, three hours a week working on it. But um, I, I set up a church called City Hill, which meets on Clapham Common in a restaurant called Metro, um, where we've eaten together, <laughs> James. Yes, we have. Yeah, it's a great place. Um, uh, and yeah, that's my, that's my own passion. That's what I do. It's, it's amazing that I've chosen to subsidise my existence with such a um, poor choice of earner, but that is how weird I am. So, yeah, <laughs> I spend time working with vulnerable teenagers. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I do, I guess. And you're, you're married and... Um... Yes, I'm married. My wife is definitely the better half of the equation, um, Jodie. And we now have an even better part of the equation. Our daughter, Eden, is way cooler than both of us, and she's only nine months old, which means I've got a lot of improving to do before she gets cool and becomes a teenager. Uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to learn, because uh, I always thought I'd be a cool dad, and I'm starting to doubt that. Um, as Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, amazing. Love it. Being a dad has probably been one of the best experiences of my life, um, just yeah, it blows, she blows my mind. She has to lo- All she has to do is laugh, and I've won the lottery. Uh, awesome. So each day is brilliant, except when she cries. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, okay. Um, so, yeah, you've written a book called The Karma Humor Drama, which is difficult to get your tongue around and difficult to remember, actually. I've got to say, but... Um, so tell us a bit about um, this book and how it came about. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was, I'd, been, I'd been reading the, the, the Shema um, in Deuteronomy and about how we're supposed to love God with all that we are. And I found that fascinating. I've heard people talk about loving God with all that we are um, time and time again, having grown up in church. What I had never really paid much attention to was the passages after it, like you're supposed to diligently teach a child this, and um, you're supposed to begin your day talking about it, end your day talking about it. You're supposed to have any gate or door. Um, And so as I started to look into these kind of things, I started to be quite inspired. That There was a conversation, there was a rhythm to it, that there was a creative element to it to remind us and to see the humanity, humanity in those around us. And as I started to look into it, I started to realize, actually, there were times when even Jesus spoke about it, when um, he had a conversation with a lawyer who was asking him what it means to be alive. And um, his response was, you have the Lord, how do you read it? Which kind of in conversation kind of is like, how do you kind of hear it? And so the guy answers with literally how you hear it. And he answers with the Shema, as well as to love our neighbor as well. And I guess... What impacted me was when I looked around church and I looked around my experiences at church, I found this was something that we talked about very much in a Greek mentality in terms of right theology. Mm. For the Hebrew, their understanding of truth wasn't an idea that underpinned or undergirded, but it, 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 it was done. It was acted upon. And so for me, I started to think, well, what would it happen if people woke up as a family unit and discuss this or with a friend or with a coworker, or just made a decision to ask the question, how am I going to love God with all I am today? And what would it look like if people actually attempted it? 
So I wanted to make a really small book that got the conversation going and got people thinking about it. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I literally wrote it because I had a coffee stall on Clapham Common. And um, there were times when it was really busy. And there was about uh, an hour a day when it was dead. So just one hour a day, I had the laptop on top of the coffee machine. And I just started writing. Wow. And I just felt really inspired and thought, this is something I want to do. And then... I'm, I'm dyslexic, and um, I've been really badly bullied for it and, uh, at school, not just by alert, not by just by students, but by teachers. And so, for me, the biggest thing about this was actually thinking that I could put something out there that might um, mean something or do something. And so, it took a long time, even after it was finished, um, that the idea was finished, to ever think about putting it out there because I just felt. Um, I couldn't contribute to anything of worth. And so I put it out to a few mates, um, and I was just waiting for them to write back, like, what were you thinking? Why did you waste your existence typing this? And actually, I got a few mates going like, wow, that really impacted me. That really challenged me. I feel really inspired. I need to do something with my life. And then I was like, oh, wow, maybe I should give this a bash. So I did a Kickstarter campaign, um, just to get it going, and yeah, didn't think that would work either, but it did. <laughs> so, yeah. So, just to explain the concept of uh, for those people who don't know what uh, what is what is the Shima and what is it about. The, the Shima is what is known as the greatest commandment, and it is literally to love God with everything that we are. Um, but then, in in the passage in um, in Deuteronomy. It goes on to talk about conversation more than anything. And I think that is what got me the most. That's what really gripped me about it. Because I had always seen it as just the command. In church, it gets quoted as the command. No one talks about you're supposed to start your day with this conversation. You're supposed to end your day with this conversation. Um, and so that's ultimately what it's about. Now, when Jesus and the lawyer talk about it, they explore what it means and Jesus says this is what it means to be alive because the guy says how do you inherit eternal life that this conversation about the law mm. the guy quotes the Shema Jesus says you'll live and then the guy says to him like but who is my neighbor and then talk about the good Samaritan and so it's a love that's so practical that doesn't stay with oneself but flows outward to those in need around us and it's the person directly in front of us at any given time it's, it's about proximity and so when I started to kind of explore that on that level, um, yeah, I, 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 I just thought, this is insanely exciting that God wants me to love him through loving others and that uh, the law itself isn't knuckled down to being expressed in one way. It can be expressed in so many. So when I started to ask myself the question, how can I love God? I've done so many different expressions of it. Some of them have been really, really simple, like London, the tube is so cutthroat. I've just smiled at random strangers to freedom out. I've been committed to it because like, people don't do that on the tube. No, they don't. They do people out. That's, a, that's the smallest thing I've done. The better things I've done, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I freaked out a few homeless people when God started speaking this to me where they've asked me to buy them a can of drink and a chocolate bar, and I've just outrightly refused and said, no, we're, 
I'm getting you something good to eat. Where, like, I took a guy on a date to Nando's. Homeless <laughs> guy. He just, he just freaked out, and you could see the humanity coming back. And it was just because I made a simple decision that mm. I was going to ask the question, how does God want me to love him today? And there's always people in front of us. And it's instead of finding a way out of something, which is what we tend to do with the law, the Shema is all about finding a way in. And so that is, is what gripped me and made me think, this is something I want to write about. And this is a conversation I want to put out there because so many different people in different contexts are going to come up with different ways of doing it. And I think that's been the most exciting thing about it has been chatting to friends and hearing what they want to do with it and what God's saying to them. Kashima is a Hebrew word that means to hear. So basically when you ask the question, it's what you hear from God, it's what you do with it. So hearing different friends and mates that started this journey with me and the way that they've decided to do it has probably been some of the most inspiring stuff. That's awesome. It's really awesome. So the book is called The Karma Shima Drama. Yeah. So just to explain a little bit about the, um, well, the karma and <laughs> the drama. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I felt like, well, that, the problem I had with a lot of Christians when I talked about um, Shima is they talked a lot about law. So they would say to me, well, this is kind of like the law of God, we're under grace, and um, that kind of stuff. So I thought, well, as I as this kind of gets strung together, let's explore law, which is karma. What goes around comes around, in the words of the great Justin Timberlake. Um, and, <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Great yes. psalmist. Yes, indeed. It's in the Old Testament. And so he put it that way. And when we talk about karma... Now, most of the time, we're not talking about coming back as something better than ourselves. We're generally talking about um, someone does something bad, and then we see something bad happen to them. And if you think about the Old Testament, it's all about reaping and sowing. The wage of sin is death. It's, it's, it's karma without the idea of coming back as something else. So I used that word just because I felt um, I wanted something that my mates would read as well. So I felt by using a word that they would engage with and use in everyday slang, like, oh, that's karma, man. Um, I thought, chuck that in. I knew it would offend a lot of Christians, but the Christians, I, weren't re I wasn't really that bothered um, by those partic that particular group of Christians. Um, so I thought, let me throw this in there. It will get me some negative remarks, but um, if I engage with a couple of people that explore spirituality because of it, I'm much more interested in that. So I threw karma in, much to the, the hate and slagging off I got. Um, but really, I'm just talking about reaping and sowing if you're an old-school Christian. Um, and so we looked at karma as a standing point. Then we looked at the Shema. So it's about what you hear defines how you act. Um, so you go through that. And then the drama is where is the drama of redemption. So it's just looking at the cross of Jesus. And um, I just wanted to do that in a way that was... A bit different, so I kind of focus on uh, lamentations. Where in chapter five, it's all it was all five poems, and in number five, it starts off with this request to be remembered, and it ends with it ends with it's like the glummest ending of any book in the Bible. It asks to be remembered in their sin. It compares their suffering to Sodom and Gomorrah, saying Sodom and Gomorrah suffered more than us, um, and they don't say that's unfair. 
They're saying, we deserve what we get. And then at the end, it ends by saying, if you could remember us, restore us, great. If not, we get it, we deserve this, and it's going to carry on. <laughs> and that's the end of it. And then hundreds of years later, Jesus has come, and um, he's in between two thieves on a cross, mm. on crosses. And um, they have a conversation, which is exactly like Lamentations, where one is slagging him off, and the other one goes, we get what we deserve, just like Lamentations. Um, he's done nothing wrong. Remember me in your kingdom. And so they ask the question to be remembered, never knowing if there'd be any resolution to it. These thieves had this conversation, and then Jesus says to him, this day will be with me in paradise. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So they ask to be remembered. That's the, amazing. The question's hanging in the air in chapter 5 in Lamentations. Never get answered. And then on the cross, it gets answered. Of course, I remember you. You'll be with me today in paradise. Oh my gosh, that's and of course, people who people who read these read these scriptures originally would have would have known Lamentations. So would have yeah. they would have seen that. Yeah, they would have oh. seen that. So when when you read that in the in the scriptures, you're like, oh, it's finally been answered. There's a solution. It's no longer hanging in the air. Oh we wow, get remembered or not. it's amazing so, how you, those little things you, you miss. So many of those little things when you read the Bible. Yeah. yeah, you can just read it simply as a story without looking at the context, looking at you know yeah. the culture and looking at uh, yeah. the history. You know, and yeah. when you understand that, when you understand where that comes from, then it's suddenly like, oh right, yeah. you know, that's that that's kind of it's that's, finishing off everything. Yeah, it does. It just brings it together. And the idea was that if we talk about karma, could people accept karma exists? If we then talk about what, what we need to hear from God, and then it ends up being the gospel message, then not only do I have the reader's attention of those who just want to read a let's make the world a better place book, but they could actually encounter saving grace, which is something of eternal worth, which no one can give you really. So I just wanted to try and attempt to do that, and we'll see, we'll see what happens with it. So far the feedback's been, been, been all right. Um, it's not the. I'm gonna be completely upfront. I'm not a great writer. It's not my own gifting, but I believe there's a really powerful message in the book. And so far, that's what I've got back from people. Um, yeah. So so far, I've been blown away. Had really good fun going to some great places. Got invited to Texas with it. Got to share it there, and a few other funny places. And it's yeah, it's it's, it's doing really well. One guy is now, as a result, his Shima that he's heard from God, one of my good friends, he shared it with me. He's, he's a fitness he's a fitness enthusiast, and this is his line of work. He's a hero. He changes people's lives. And for him, he was like, I just know I need to do something with this. And now what he's doing is he's setting up a, a, a free fitness training camp aiming at young, vulnerable, adult, uh, young teenagers in his community that whilst there get to know them identify who needs mentoring hook them up with mentors and then try and progress them towards their life goals and he's got that just from hearing that he started to ask the question how am i going to love god with my biggest passion and talent and then god answered and now he's actioning it it's just wow. been so cool that's so awesome cool. that is just a, that's just phenomenal yeah. and yeah and what strikes me as well is that yeah as a, from a writing perspective is that you wrote, I mean, you're not like, you wouldn't call yourself a a writer, you know, in terms of oh, your gifting, oh. your calling, right? Yeah. So, but you had, you had something that was inside of you that you 
were passionate about, that you cared about, that you yeah. knew you had to share with people and that you wanted to share with people, to yeah. bless people. And yeah. so you made it and you shared it and you surrendered yeah. the outcome and just put it out there. And that's, I mean, to me, that's about, that's what authentic creativity is about. It's just having something that's on your heart and creating it and then sharing it and just surrendering the outcome and just saying, this is yours. You know, you asked me to make this, I'm making it, here it is. And whatever yeah. happens, you and know. And that's the hardest bit. Because if you're going to do something authentic, and I mean, this book couldn't get any more authentic because it's got about five mistakes in it, which just summed me up perfectly. Because in my complete incompetence, I sent the wrong file to the printers, not realising I'd done that. So there's legit, it's so authentic, it's got five mistakes in there for my foolishness. And it's such a tiny book. To have five mistakes, it's just yeah, it is quite a tiny book. It's, it is tiny. Uh, it's like a, it's the side of a booklet. It is. It is. Um, it's, I've got a copy. It's just a signed copy, actually. Yeah, um, you have. Yeah, I've got a signed copy. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it, it doesn't get much more offensive than that. But you know what? That is the scariest thing. It is the scariest thing. Because you, you, I, I, I kind of died inside. And then the biggest thought in your head is then, don't, don't take this up. Just back out. Don't do this. But mm. then, as much, there's been a few people that have proper cussed me out over those mistakes. But then, there's a guy who's now changing on people's lives because of it. And then, so, you have to be brave enough to yes. be authentic, embrace it, and go with it. And yeah. that's why I think I respect so much of what you do. Because, not that yours has mistakes, but you're <laughs> authentic. That's what I'm saying. You're authentic. You, and authenticity takes bravery like like nothing else because when you're authentic you're not just putting something out there like a pop song to hit a margin mm. and a target group you're putting out something that really matters to you and that's painful and it's yeah. frightening yeah well, i yeah i mean i've got all this to come because my my book's coming out <coughs> this year it's just i'm literally about to get the the uh, the final edited draft back from my editor wow. uh, to send out to people to endorse so um um, we're going to, we've got some, we're trying to get some big, big people, you know. And again, asking these people, it's like, my editor's saying, you have to ask these people because, you know, if you don't ask, you never know. So, yeah. and I'm like, well, yeah, but they're never going to endorse me. They don't even know who I am, you know. But it's the same thing. It's putting your stuff out there, you know. Yeah. And there's stuff in the book which I know a lot, not a lot of, not all Christians will, will, will agree with as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but, again, it's just something that was birthed inside of me that I knew God had given me to share. So I made it. And now, yeah. you know, it's later this year, hopefully it's going to come out. And, I'm, and I've just started writing the next one as well. So uh, Yeah, same. I'm, 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 I'm starting a, a, a second now at the moment, which this time I will have learned from my mistakes. And there will not be five errors in this. But, um, yeah, but you know what as well? Like, you never know what's going to happen. You've got to take that, that jump and go for it. Because literally, um, like, I don't, because I've done it, I do it off Kickstarter, like Christian media publications, I'm going to care anything about what I do. And then you get it out there, and then I found someone sending me a picture of Christianity magazine because Governor B decided to do a write-up about it. Yeah, I and saw like, that, yeah. <laughs> tell me, he just flipping did it. And then all of a sudden I started getting all these orders from random parts of the UK, and I'm like, why the hell am I getting these? I haven't spoken anywhere. And then I realised it's all because of that. And so, yeah, these endorsement things you're sending out, 
you have no idea what's going to happen, but you've got to just be brave enough to just go for it, man. It's wicked. Yeah. It's going to do good. Grace is a beautiful subject. It's going to upset people. It's great. Yeah, it is. It's going to... Yeah, because there's some stuff in there that, yeah... <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it yet, but... Um, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't drop any surprises. Although, actually, if you get... Uh, just listeners, if you uh, keep listening, you'll find out more about this. If you, if you listen to this podcast, you'll find out about this stuff first. Um, so you'll find out when it's available and where to get it and everything. Um, I can tell you now it's called Mosaic of Grace. Um, <laughs> that's the name of the book. Um, but you'll find out more about that in the, in the next few months. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, like you putting your book out there to me, like if you, you talk about uh, Shima, hearing, hearing from God, yeah. right? Here you heard from God. You you got this message from God, you know, yeah, basically, yeah. and you were obedient to it. So I mean, in a, in a way, the fact that the book exists in itself is a li- it's kind of a living embodiment of the of itself. Yeah. If you see, what, yeah. like, well, that's yeah. bizarre, but yeah, it's, it, it, it is mad. But you know what? One of the things I've learned is my fear is always telling me not to do everything that I've done. But until you do it, you, you, and even then when you do it, you don't grasp it. Like, there was, there were times recently when, um, I'd spoken at different places and I felt like, um, <laughs> I felt like, uh, sorry, my daughter's just been brought in. <laughs> That's why I got slightly distracted. Um, yeah. What did you say? Yeah, it's Jane. Sorry, my wife wants to completely hijack. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm friends. Not the best recording, but you know, go for oh, it. No, 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 not the video, the audio. Hi, uh, <laughs> hi. Yeah. Now, uh, just to explain to listeners, I was friends with um, Andy's wife before I knew Andy, actually. Yes. So, uh, um, so I. Like James doesn't know. No, um, it's the listeners. Oh. Um, so, um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Little interlude there, at least, listeners. Yeah, she just wanted to... Hi, Jodie. Yeah. Hi, Jodie. Hi, James. Love what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so you've got a fan club. Yeah. My, my daughter, for those who are listening and can't see, because you won't be able to, was smiling. So she is clearly a fan, even at nine months. That's great. Get them young, I say. Yeah. But, yeah. no, you, you go for stuff, and you have no idea what it's going to do. And I've, I've ministered at places where, like, I felt like, oh, man, this is too big an occasion for me. I shouldn't be doing this. And some of the best stuff ever in my life has happened. I remember sharing about my parents and me being, me being born. And someone coming up to me afterwards saying, God told them they'd be a good dad. And um, I was like, that's great. And they said, yeah, but now my son is on drugs, homeless somewhere. And um, I believe after hearing what you said, God's going to call him home. And I'm just standing there, this couple just praying and crying with them, crying out to God. And then that's it. And you think, well, that's that done. And you go home messed up and you're a wreck. And then I never stopped praying for that family. And I never forgot their story. And I shared it with Jodie. And we prayed for them all the way around to my next time I got invited to that particular church again. Mm. And I'm meeting them at the end of the talk. And um, I'm like, well, how's things going? The son's home. He's clean off drugs. He's got a job, and they said he's he's better than he's ever been. And wow. then, you, you, and then I remember thinking, crumbs, I can't speak here. I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? And yeah. so then, when after things like that, I've learned to 
um, have to just go, you know what, I need to just get over myself and just do what God's told me to do. Otherwise, um, yeah, it just, it's just the way that it, it works. It, it, you can't avoid the fear and the gut-wrenching failure. You just have to embrace it because you don't know what you're going to be doing for someone else. Absolutely. I mean, I um, I read this book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, which is a great book for any writer or creative person. Um, Did you say The War of Art? Yes. It's about I how like you overcome resistance. Title. It's a great <laughs> book. It's really easy to read. Um, I recommend it to everybody um, who wants to create stuff. But um, in it, he says, I think it's I think it's in this book, he says, the more afraid you are of something, the more... Um, you know it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can totally agree with that. I mean, all the times of the biggest fear in my life have always been some of the most um, significant moments. Um, yeah, fear is there to paralyze you, and you just yeah can't can't let it happen because most of the times it wants to paralyze you. Are some of the most defining and important moments in life. And um, being authentic, you have to face it. And no, no one wants to. Everyone always has a great story afterwards, and everyone wants a great story, but no one wants to go through facing the fear and the rejection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I've got some things going on in my life at the moment which involve facing a lot of big fears that I've had. And um, you know, I've had moments where I've like you know wanted to just to give up, and it would have been easy to just to walk away. But mm. I'm trying to push through, and. Yeah. You know, and it's slowly but surely I'm getting through. And, you know, and that's the benefits of just persevering, you know, because we all, we all, we're all afraid of something, you know. Um, uh, and you can either just, like, let fear control you or you can walk through it and just say, keep saying no to it and just confront, confront, confront the truth of, of who you are. This is where it touches on grace, actually. And... Yeah. And, and then just allow yourself to be transformed and leave the fear behind. Yeah, you have uh. to. You absolutely have to. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable. <laughs> if you want to do anything, you've got to, you've got to face it with, with authenticity. But yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible journey. I'm look, I'm, I'm, I've really enjoyed it. It's been some really painful moments, but I'm like yourself. Like, I mean, you're, you've, finished your, your first one, just finishing the final bits and stages, um, and you're already writing your second, and um, I'm, yeah, I want to wanna do it again, um, yeah, it's just hearing what he, he, he wants me to say, what he wants me to, to touch on, and just, yeah, and like, I think what you said earlier was so key as well, letting go of, um, letting go of it, so doing it, giving it your best, just going, Whatever happens with this, happens with this. And I think that is one of the big pitfalls of our society. I think in the Western world, we look at things and possessions and we use them to define and to um, express um, success. Whereas actually what I love about the Bible is the Hebrew culture um, didn't. They just looked at the wealth and the possessions that people got as a sign of God blessing them. And how that changes your mentality is, is you just do you, and then you're just grateful for anything God gives you. Whereas yeah. otherwise, you end up chasing after things all the time that you want, and being distracted by it, and then 
even with projects like this, I'm chasing after wanting someone to recognize me or to say what I've done is great, whereas really, actually, that's not, that's not healthy. That's not what I'm about, and that's not what God wants me to be about either. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, my... <clears throat> My second, you're touching on, you're touching on some of the subjects that I'm writing about at the moment for, for my second book. It's about identity, mm. and about you know that we need to, we, in our society, we define our value and our worth, and we put our identity and our security in what we do, or how much money we have, or our status, yeah. or our, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, um, instead of just having it in the basic truth that we're enough as we are. And yeah. that we belong and, and, and that we are lovable and that we are loved and accepted just as we are and no matter what happens. And um and being willing to be vulnerable, you know, and because when you when you're grounded when you're grounded in grace that kind of frees you from fear. Because mm. even if you fail you still know you that that was never what you defined yourself as in the first place. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely that is that is so so unbelievably true and it's just liberating it is really liberating and that's just the best thing about resurrection it's just yeah. the best thing about it we had a, a meeting at work where we were being asked about why we do what we do why we do it how we do it and as I was sitting there got, we were going through all the motions I was thinking about my um, city hill in the back of my head in church and when I thought about it with church what do we do resurrection how do we do it? Resurrection. Why do we do it? Resurrection. And when you put the resurrection of Jesus at the center of everything, it's um, it's it, it, it is unbelievable because you literally, well, great, you know, even if this project dies, even if it bums, resurrection. <laughs> it, yeah. just, it just changes yeah. everything. It's just so wonderful. Yeah. We just, I think, I think what this, I haven't finished reading the book entirely, but, I'm getting the sense that this book is about hearing from God, being obedient and being faithful to whatever he calls us to do, stepping out and taking that risk, whatever the outcome, and then, but having the security of knowing that whatever happens with what we do, mm. that we're loved, we're accepted, we're forgiven, we're, um, and there's, you know, there's the resurrection. And um, that's kind of what this book is all about. And it's, I mean, I can't wait to finish reading it. It's, um, I think, it, I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be life transforming for a lot of people. Yeah, it's been it's been great so far, man. I've been I've been really excited about it, and I think also about creativity, really, because it's how creative people are of what they hear. So I think, like, yeah, because if you hear that you're supposed to love God with all you are, and God's calling you to love your neighbour as yourself, um. <sighs> You can how you hear things and how you see everyone gets the law of God and everyone gets the same instruction, but it's how you hear it that defines what you do and who you are and what you become. And so when, when I think when we can be creative about everything about ourselves, but we can't be creative in our expressions of love for those around us, I think we miss out on what it means to be alive. And so for me, it's about hearing to love God and love others, not just for ourselves, the sake of um, humanity, but for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of God, and for the sake of the person in front of us. Because actually one of the things I've found is, as I've 
fail to love the people God puts in front of me, part of myself dies as well. So I'm affecting myself by not obeying his command. I'm affecting the person in front of me who desperately needed that love, not just from me, but from God. I've affected them and I've affected him because they're his kids and I haven't loved them in a way that he desperately needs and calls me to. And when I think about um, some of the issues we face on an international scale, um, Google bought DeepMind, a company in London, for hundreds of millions of pounds uh, because they do artificial intelligence. And it's been decided that problems such as poverty and um, global warming can't be solved by collaboration alone of adding more people to trying to solve the problem. So they believe they need a super intelligence to solve it. Whereas actually... I believe the superintelligence already exists and I believe if we listen to him and we obey his command of Shima, you solve global poverty because everyone owns the problem directly in front of them. Um, and then the collaboration solves everything because we work as one unit owning the situation right here and now instead of ignoring it and walking past. So I'm crazy excited about it. We'll see what happens. Um, some of the guys who've jumped on it already have done some crazy things. One friend did a creative piece where he drew different um, pieces and shared them with inspirational quotes each and every day to empower and encourage people because um, that's what he heard. It's just, I love it, man. And um, I love it because it's a daily conversation. Um, and so waking up and thinking to myself on my way in, my alarm on my phone is called Shima. So when my phone flashes up, it says Shima on the screen in the morning, and I start questioning and asking the question and conversation with God, how am I going to do this today? Um, who are you placing in front of me? And then I just try to action it. I fail a lot, but then it comes to the end of the day, I start the conversation again. Well, that sucked. <laughs> how am I going to do that better? <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So as we come to a close... Um there will be a lot of people listening who probably will be thinking about about this a lot more now. So what kind of simple, kind of basic, practical things can you suggest to people going away from this who are just really at the beginning of exploring this idea? Yeah. Um, I think there's simple things you like you can do. Like you can have a think about some of your friends or people you see at work daily and just pick one and go, okay, I believe God wants me to love that person. God wants us to love anyone. So you can pick anyone you want and just start thinking creatively, how can I love them in their situation and their need that they have? Or you could do something like, um, I've yeah, taken a couple of homeless people on dates. Um, that's been fun. That's been amazing. The, the, the conversation is incredible. Um, I've, or just by even like gift wise, a gift card. Um, and I just put it in the wallet. And I just wait until I meet someone that I think, oh, that's who this is for. Because there's so many times when you meet someone and they're going through some stuff. And um, like I remember a woman, I was my world was falling apart. And I met this lady at a charity event that I was working at and paid to be at. And I'm there. And this woman, uh, amazing Christian lady, um, she'd actually worked on some work with Oasis. Um, she's um, with Jesus now, sadly. But um, she, she, on the way to this event, heard God say, she's driving on the motorway, pull over and buy some roses. She pulled over, bought some roses and just drove down to the event. I was talking to her about myself and the place I found myself in where I would just, I felt worthless. I felt like I couldn't love or anything. And then midway through this conversation, 
she she's hearing me just babble on about what a mess I feel I am. And she goes, now I know why I bought these roses. She goes, these are for you. You need to go home and take them to your wife and give them to her because God wants you to awaken to living a life of love again. <laughs> and it was just, she, she'd heard a random thing. I mean, you can just buy, I mean, roses, I mean, that was specific, but sometimes you can just buy a gift card, keep it in the wallet, and then you're meeting someone who's having a terrible time, and you're like, oh, you know what, hey, have, have this voucher, you know, I just felt God wanted to bless someone. You can do stuff like that. You can choose simple things like... Um, Sometimes I'm really concentrating and my face when I'm concentrating looks like I hate the world. Um, and I've had days where I've just intentionally decided I'm going to be the opposite. I'm going to just, today I'm just going to try and be upbeat. And with the teenagers I work with, it's very difficult to be upbeat. So when you are upbeat for a whole day or two constantly, I've actually literally had teenagers say to me like, wow, man, I just really felt like you cared about me today. And that just shocked me because I thought, well, all I've done today is try to be more upbeat than normal and the impact it can have on someone else's life. So, yeah, simple, loads of little things. Be as creative as you want, be as generous as you want, or do something as simple as just trying to be upbeat for a day. You'd be surprised how much other people appreciate it. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Andy. Thank you. Um, really, really great to have you on here, and so much wisdom on all sorts of things. And I think, yeah, we've both learned a lot <laughs> from this chat. Um, I'll definitely have you back at some point as well. Um, um, but yeah, so um, okay, well, that's that's it for for this week, everyone. I um, hope you've uh, learned a lot. I know I have, um, and uh, we'll catch you next week.